I went through a phase, and I still might do it. I was going to change my name by deed poll to Emma Black. Because I oh. just think there's something to that. It's like, oh, hello, I'm Emma Black. Who are you? <laughs> hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Here, coming to you from here in the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Bonehead. Oh, no, that's not where I am. <laughs> oh, you know, no, I actually. So much pressure. No, so I, much pressure. I thought it was very good under I, the circumstances. I, I hadn't rehearsed at all. <laughs> Beads of sweat, darling. <laughs> Just dripping from my brow. <laughs> Beads of sweat dribbling down your trouser leg. Uh, is, there, is, there, is there more? <laughs> um, yes. Well, yes. So uh, Keep going. I guess. So welcome, everyone. Um, well, thank you, darling. I am, I am Bagel. No, you're coming not. Coming to you from my lush shop here in Benita, Oregon. And um, <clears throat> with us tonight, uh, first, also on Zoom, in the COVID corner, is Liza. Yes, I am. I am in the COVID corner. And you might be hearing this. Liza got, well, sorry. She got a timeout. She was bad. I, I, I hope you get well soon, Liza. I want you to Thank sit you. in the COVID corner and think about what you've done. Emma made me stand in the corner of the parking lot by myself all day today. Even when it was raining and they all went inside. Yeah. Oh. And, we were all, umbrella, and, and we were I all... I didn't. We were, we were pointing and laughing and at you, too. I changed my sweatshirt because I got soaked. Oh, no, that's not yeah, good. But it's fine because, you know, safety first, right? Yes. Well, for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. she, she, took, she took too much pleasure in it. I will tell you that. I was quite enjoying it, actually, I must admit. <laughs> and the pointing and laughing was quite fun, too. Yes. And, and, and coming to us from the studio on the Classy Girl Couch, it is Miss Emma. Buongiorno, amigos. Oh, it's so lovely to be here. And joking aside, um, Liza has been quite sick, and um, she's such a dear. She wants to make sure that the show must go on, but she is isolating herself, and I really appreciate it. Because unfortunately, the sad fact of the matter is that me and Liza are quite old, and um, <laughs> we, we don't want to get that sick. So, um, good on you, Liza. And um, I would have given you an umbrella if you'd have asked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last but not least, uh, manning the boards in the studio, it is Stumpy John. Buenas tardes a todos. What's going on? It's good to be here. <laughs> you sound bilingual, John. Poquito, sí. Yeah, very good. <laughs> now, um, your wife um, was... Her primary language, English or Spanish growing up? English. She was part of the generation that um, her dad's from Mexico. Right, 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 right. I didn't want kids to learn Spanish. Yeah, that was kind of a way of yeah, thinking back, really back in like the 60s and 70s, yeah. yep. wasn't it? They wanted to leave it behind. And it's kind of a shame because... Well, she learned it when we moved to Mexico. Right. Yeah. Okay. Todo bien? Todo bien, pues. Well, I wanted to um, first thank, thank you guys for running the show last week. Um, oh, it was brilliant, me. wasn't it? Yeah, Best show I was ever. back east. Awesome. I was back east catching COVID, but no, I'm I'm okay. It's just been like cold, like symptoms, getting through it, and just been um, keeping safe. Um, 
but uh yeah i enjoyed i enjoyed listening to the show i always enjoy the shows i'm not there and and seeing because it's all new for me hmm. i get to hear it for the first time i really enjoyed it um there was a a, a clip i i saved that i enjoyed the most let me play that for you these are great harbor european there you go. Now, oh, cheers! Are these the ones that make yeah. you fart really bad? Yes, they are. I got two bags for you. You got the snakes. <laughs> the toilet snake. Now I ab- no, I absolutely. Oh God! Yeah, oh, back time. <laughs> hey, I hope you're listening right now. <laughs> We're going to have a moment of silence while all the crinkly <laughs> bags are open. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I heard away, that, the John. Will play. <laughs> I heard that, John. In fact, uh, I hope you guys are enjoying those gummies today because I went in and licked every bag. Have fun with the COVID. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> oh, we can't help it. Thinking you can get away with it when I'm not there. <laughs> Without you, we lose focus quickly. Yeah, yeah, and it's your glee, the glee in your voice, John. It's like, fun. Mom's <laughs> gone, and we're breaking all the rules. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, you know, the sugar will do that. Good God, it was all good till the pants came off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the cough. Um, but I wanted to um, first off give a, a couple updates. Hey, uh. We've got some spots left for our rally, and it's really coming along great. So I've been working with Matt on our rally, which is March 24th through 26th. Um, so we've rented a section at Hollister Hills, so which is a dirt biking park. So if you have a dirt bike, great. Bring it out. Ride Hollister Hills. But we're going to be leaving Hollister Hills and doing day rides. So if you have a street bike, great. Bring it. You can do the day rides. And if you have adventure bike or an enduro, great. It's the perfect. You can do all the rides. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. <laughs> um, we just signed on. Um, uh, Jason is with JP, uh, JPH uh, suspension. Oh, that's great. He's going to be coming out and doing suspension setups oh, and a cool. suspension workshop. Right. Uh, and then Jonathan is going to be coming and doing a first aid class again. Oh, awesome. Because that was really helpful when mm-hmm. we did one here in the garage. And, so we're going to do that again. And uh, um, any more classes? Yes. Yes. I thought I thought I would teach my chair dance uh, class. Mm. Oh, that's fabulous! Yes. Any yes, other yes. any other classes? Well, I don't like to promote it. It's one that uses the condom and the banana, but I usually do that. In private. <laughs> late, late in the evening. <laughs> yes, there will be that. And there will also be a class on how to change your tires in the field using your mum's best spoons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, entertainment. We are. Um, this is kind of exciting. So we're going to be doing an interview live in front of everyone around the campfire. And um, actually got the uh, one of the rangers from Hollister Hills to talk about what it takes to run a place like Hollister Hills. You know, people think it's easy. Maintaining those trails is not easy. There's a lot of work. I mean, John, you know mm-hmm. 
how different the trails are every time we go on them. Mm-hmm. It changes through the seasons with every storm. Dealing with all the, the accidents and how many life flights have we seen out of there? It's crazy, right? But the other thing that uh, people don't really, I think, realize is that a place like, for, at least for us here in California, our dirt bike parks are self-sustaining. They make enough income to run themselves. But from time to time, there are politicians who think that that money needs to go somewhere else, like road repairs or something like that. And they want to reallocate those funds somewhere that's more important than dirt bikes, right? And so there's a whole politics side that they're having to fight just to keep right. their funds and their space and everything. I mean, this is why for everybody, us. everybody should go join Corva if you're in California, which is the California Off-Road Vehicle Association, because they're the ones that actually do the advocacy in the state level for our parks and our open spaces. So we're throwing it. And then there's more things we're working on. Um, some special things I uh, can't announce yet, but this is shaping up to be a really cool thing. We've got catered meals coming in. Uh, you get two dinners, two breakfast, and um, the food's going to be great. We were sampling some of the food. So I uh, want, yeah, people come out. We only have room in our campground for about 50 people. So I'm, it's not, it's going to be small rally. And look, I'm going to be absolutely clear. If you don't come to the rally, I will never forgive you. And I'm going to have very stern words with your mom or dad. So you need to come to the rally. <laughs> it's as simple as that. There's going to be very stern words for people who don't go. Well, for people who don't know, so I know we talk about it a lot, but Hollister Hills is an incredible off-road park with I don't know how many acres. It's got to be hundreds and hundreds of acres of, of open space to ride, all the way from beginner level all the way up to like double diamond level. So that experience in itself is incredible. But then we're situated right off of kind of Highway 25, in Hollister, which gives us access to a bunch of other off-road riding out in the New Idra area and also down, you know, and Highway 25 is incredible down by Pinnacles. So it's a really great part of California, especially in the inland area like that. Not everybody goes there because it's not Big Sur, but it has its own beauty and its own opportunity there. So I just, you know, if, you're, if you don't know the area, I really encourage people to, to come along. Actually, Highway 25 is some of my favorite. It's beautiful. It, in fact, it is my favorite street ride. It's amazing yeah. street riding. So even if you don't ride dirt, come to the rally because we're going to be doing street rallies. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, another thing is I'm going to be taking people over to Corbin Factory and giving them a tour, behind-the-scenes oh, tour of the Corbin oh, that's Factory. that's so cool. Yeah. So um, go to breakingawaytrips.com, and you'll see under trips, the Misfits Rally. Sign up now. It's uh, This is going to be our first. We want to do this every year, and it's just going to grow bigger and bigger, but this is going to be the most intimate. We're putting a lot of work into it. And um, um, just before you go any further, Liza, I want yes. just people to know that the form to fill in is a little more complex than you might be used to. So what you need to do, um, gather all your stuff together before you, you log on. You need your driving license. You need your insurance card. And you need your medical insurance card. One, two, three. Once you have those three with you, it'll be an absolute snap. But if you don't have those gathered around, you'll get sort of halfway through the form and think, oh, crap, I need to get these things together. Um, so get those three. Driving license, insurance card, medical insurance card. You need those three to fill in the form. There you go. Breakingawaytrips.com. 
In other news, I have a sad but not sad announcement. So the UK trip that I've been putting together with Cat McLeod, we are postponing it. Oh no! Why? Yes, I didn't tell you this. Well, there is the a UK reason does not that want it is them. a. <laughs> yeah, they said nope. You're not allowed. <laughs> there, there is a reason. Um, uh, that is because to be able to do a tour there. To rent bikes, there's so much bike theft in the UK. It is such a big problem that we need to provide proof of secure housing at every place we go. Wow. And Emma, you've been to the UK. How many of the hotels have secured uh, gated parking garages? Yeah, yeah, not many of them, especially when right. you get into the north. You know, there's a lot of just open courtyards. So, um, right. yeah, I, you know, all this has happened since I've been in the States, but I'm just horrified by the sheer numbers I see of motorbikes getting stolen in the UK. Sounds like it's it's a very, very big problem. And it's it's all these young chavs who are doing it. Are they chopping them and shipping parts to Europe? No, they're yeah. just, you know, a lot of it is just they're stealing bikes, they're taunting the police, and then chucking them away right. down country lanes. Um, and that sort of nonsense. It's just joyriding. Mm. You know, there's... there's, And I mean, yes, there, there is proper organized thievery as much as I abhor that. But just uh, from what I see, so much of it is just, you know, snot-nosed little kids who need a good kick them in the arse. Um, British hooligans. Yeah, little hooligans taking bikes and then riding around on them and then just dumping them, you know, wherever they want and sometimes setting fire to them. <clears throat> yeah, so Cat and I need to actually go there. So the good news is, it's not concrete yet, but what it looks like, Kat and I will actually be going by ourselves. And we're going to have to scout this and find all these secure locations to document for the official trip that is being postponed. Um, but the good news is I thought this would be a great opportunity for all of our UK listeners to come out and meet us along the way. We are not organizing a group trip. But we will be announcing where we will be and when right. for anyone who wants to come out and join us or meet us, have a beer or ride along with us. But you're on your own for finding a place to stay, whatever. Because um, with the, just the two of us, we can stay outside of cities in small bed and breakfasts that do have you know, a backyard to put the bike into. Can't do that with 15, 20 bikes. Very so, good. And I, it's my turn to give you a top tip, Liza. Ooh, yes. yes. It's, it's an Emma top tip for Liza is when you share a motel room with <laughs> Kat, he does like to be the little spoon. Wow. Ah. <laughs> Just so That's you know. That's a big little spoon. Yeah, no, he's a big guy, but he yeah. does like to be the little That's a, spoon. He's like a ladle. <laughs> he is. He's a little ladle. <laughs> so um thank you to everyone who did reach out to me we did have a bunch of people who are interested in coming on the trip we still are trying to put it together and we still think this is a great thing <clears throat> the other thing we may be doing is cutting out london which seems to be where the biggest problem is and just staying in the north so taking out london but adding in scotland so further reason for us to go scout and really check it out and come up with a better game plan um <coughs> pause for cough 
I did want to give a report, though, on where I was last weekend. I did yeah. some cool stuff. I saw some cool things. So um, first thing is I went to Washington, D.C. to go to the Smithsonian Institute, the Air and Space Museum specifically, to go see um, Aaron Sill's bike on display. How cool is that, that we know wow. somebody whose bike is on display awesome. in the Smithsonian, That's right? Very, very cool. I needed to go and kind of pay my respects. And it's a really cool display. They have a whole big exhibit on uh, speed. I think it's all on speed. So there's cars and motorcycles and rockets and just all sorts of stuff. Also, Evil Knievel, uh, Evil Knievel's bike is in there. And uh, there's Did all you sorts like drool over Evil Knievel's bike or like fall down to worship it? No, because everything is like you can't touch it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was cool to see. They had a Evil Knievel pinball machine, but kids kept standing in front of it and I couldn't get into it. Goddamn kids. Kids are everywhere at a museum. It's free. <laughs> um, but the other thing that I did while I was there is I went to go visit our friends at the AMA. So, uh, yeah, so the AMA is, uh, is housed in, 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 in Ohio, but their bureaucratic division, the legal affairs, all that, that is in, in Washington, DC and Mike Sayre, who's been on our show from time to time, that's where the offices are. It's really cool. It's like right next to the Capitol. It's like C-SPAN is in the building and all these other like official things, and uh, got to go up there and, and see the offices and, and sit down with Mike and like have like an off the record conversation about Teslas and helmets and 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 headlight modulators and all the things that, you know, we, we, we want to, you know, talk about. But um, and, and he was nice enough to, to try and answer every question I had, but he brought something up that i wasn't aware of that they are currently working on and i don't know if you guys have heard about this um this is in connecticut and bagel you weren't in the garage today so you haven't heard us talking about this no but it is uh let's see looney looney do you know who looney is okay place for the warriors <laughs> no you're not helping um <laughs> Looney Tunes? <laughs> no, no, no. He, uh, Representative Looney, I think. Anyway, hmm. uh, Connecticut does hmm. not have a helmet law. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, representative there, and again, I don't know, Republican, Democrat, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. There's a bill uh, that's been presented that says if you are in a motorcycle accident and are uh, you know, injured to the point, you know, head injury, brain dead, that if you were not wearing a helmet, you were automatically an organ donor. What? I don't know how they could do that legally. Mm. <laughs> Seems a yeah, little bit over government that's problematic. That's the not that the uh, "Don't Tread on Me" state do? Well, so yeah, so this is actually what they're they're proposing. Okay, so. And the AMA is calling it unconstitutional. It's called the Connecticut Looney Bill. Um, and yeah, it's saying exactly that. So yeah, he's uh, in the Senate. Yeah, Representative. Um, yeah, it would, it would 
Presuppose that any street riding motorcyclist killed would automatically become an organ donor if they were not wearing a helmet. And it's legal to ride without a helmet if you're over the age of 18. That's it. So no one under the age of 18 would, would be uh, hmm. caught up in this. So, uh, so the AMA is saying, well, this is unconstitutional. Yeah. Uh, there's, <laughs> I'm sure you can list a lot of reasons. I know that there are some religions that say you need to be buried intact. Yep. As well as other reasons. Um, another thing, and and this is this is just a great example of what the AMA does. And this is what I said, like, what do you guys do? Tell me what you guys are doing. Right? Why, tell me something so I can tell people why the AMA really matters. This is an example. And you have to think about this. Agree or not agree on this bill you still have to look at is it fair that un- unbelted um car drivers aren't becoming organ donors or bicyclists without a helmet aren't becoming this is targeting motorcyclists specifically right and and who who gives the 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 government the right to have that power over somebody's body even after they're dead. Yeah. You know, where, where does that come from? You know, that, that doesn't, that's, that right. seems like an overreach to me because that's up to that person to decide what happens to their body after they die. Right. You know, there's a trend in the U S it seems that they want to tell everybody what to do with their bodies. So I'll just leave it yeah. there. Yeah. They're calling this non-consensual organ donation. Right. There's a problem with that. Non-consensual. No, yeah, there's a huge problem with that. I mean, I um, like many people in California, I I I've opted to voluntarily donate my organs if I die, yep. and there's a little red dot on my driving license that says so. Yep, um, same here. Right, but that is voluntary, and it right. should be. And you know, after after I am dead and gone, if anybody wants anything out of my body, they are welcome to it if they can use it. So let me propose something. Uh, so you just stated, yeah, here in the, I assume this is federal, right? That in the States that anyone who wants to be an organ donor can check a box when getting their driver's license. Yes. And you end up with a little red dot on your license and it, right. it, it you know, there you are. So, I was talking uh, to some friends in the UK today, Emma, and uh, they said, when I asked them their opinion on this, I said, oh, that sounds about right. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, here in the UK, you're automatically an organ donor unless you file that you don't want to be. That seems a little more fair, though, at least. Yeah, I mean, that's not specifically targeting anyone right. again but I'm just it, saying it, it's, and it gives you an opt-out right it gives you an opt-out if you want everything becomes voluntary yeah I, but it the default is you're a donor and it normalizes that rather than here where you have to take I the don't, step to volunteer that i don't think right. the, the the issue at point is whether you're actually having your organs harvested or not. It's they are specifically targeting a group and specifically targeting a group within a group. Right. So and, basically and they're, they're targeting the- motorcycles and they're targeting motorcyclists who choose not to wear a helmet 
in a state that does not require voluntary use of helmets. It's the targeting that's the problem, not necessarily the end result. Right, because you know, it's it's and it's not giving those people a choice to decide whether or not that's what happens with their body after they die. You know, ah, they're being forced. Wait. You are right? making the choice. Not you. You not, are making the choice when you decide to ride without a helmet. No, but if, that's not making that choice. That's making a choice to ride without a helmet. That should not compel you to to let your body be harvested if you don't want to. So listen, I'm just saying. Yeah. I can. I, I'm playing devil's advocate here because we were talking about this uh, uh, all day in the garage today, and I started kind of seeing the other side. That. Well, wait a minute. You make the choice when you uh, choose not to wear your helmet. Just hang on there. Hang on there, Buster. Because it is a very, very short walk from saying we will compulsorily harvest the organs of any motorcyclist who chooses not to wear a helmet because that's a clearly dangerous pursuit. What the, hang on, riding motorcycles is a dangerous pursuit. So anybody who chooses to ride a motorcycle now becomes a compulsory uh, donor. Right. And now everybody who chooses to jump out of a plane, everybody who football. chooses you to drive football, a, you've got everybody who yeah. chooses to drive a car because driving's dangerous these days. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a slippery slope. Right? And but that is an arguing something that isn't on the table. We're well, only but, arguing this, not but, all the But other why questions. not? If if this is if yeah. this is valid, then why not that? Right. Because I'll say, I'll say the the one thing that does kind of set me back. I'm gonna show you a picture now. Our listeners can't see. I'm gonna show you a picture of Senator Looney, and it is kind of creepy. Does that <laughs> look like the kind of guy who wants to take your organs? He wants to take <laughs> something. I can see that. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um let me let me pose it a different way then. Um, Because I kind of see this as a compromise for states that do not have a helmet law. That maybe this is the price you pay to have the freedom not to wear a helmet. I see it as let me just finish this out. If, If there's a state that has a helmet law like California, then that state can be eligible for, say, lane splitting and lane filtering. And if it's a state that doesn't have a helmet law, maybe they shouldn't be eligible for that. And if it's a state that choose, doesn't have a helmet law, then maybe they should have the organ donation. I'm just saying. Well, that, that's mixing up different issues. But I have a, I have an, a suggestion. I, for, for states that, that insist on not having a helmet law, require that all drivers, or require that everyone opt into a, an organ donation program automatically but if they choose not to then have the the choice to opt out yeah i mean i think i think that is a that's a fairer solution that then it becomes the english system and everyone still has a choice they just have to go about it in a different way again if your choice is not to have your organs harvested then wear a helmet you know that's two no, separate no. things, Liza. But, no, that's but, two separate but things. But my freedoms, there's going to be the my freedoms crowd that <laughs> what, aren't going right. to be okay What's with that. What's the goal here? Is the goal to increase the amount of organs that are available for transplant, or to penalize motorcyclists? And it to me, it smacks right. of punishment. It's yeah. it's it's got that whiff of punishment, and that's not what we're about in America. We yeah. don't, you know. I I think punishing people just because of the choices they make. 
Well, it's arbitrary because there's, yeah, like, to your arbitrary. point, there's all these other dangerous activities like skiing. I'm not, I know they ski there. I like bagels mm. idea. I think if, if right. you know, it's everyone on when they turn 18 or everyone when they're getting driving license to drive, ride, ski, bicycle on the freeway, they automatically become an organ donor. And if you want to opt out, you can go to the DMV and right. fill out a form and say, I do not want my organs used. Yep, but exactly. Don't you find it interesting that, you know, you guys, are you guys all organ donors? I am. I think so. And you all wear helmets. But now I that do. there's a state saying that you have to do, like, you have to do it. Oh, no, I'm against it. These well, are things that you well, volunteer. But that's the I, argument, I, I will, Liza. It, because right, I know. That's but the it, argument. It, 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 sorry, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Emma. Go ahead. Yeah, it's 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 very very arbitrary, and it's it's very sort of you know, I'm going to punish you. Well, yeah, and and for from my perspective, it's it's coercive, and it's coercive towards a very specific group of people, and and that is not what laws are are meant to to be used for. Laws are meant to be applied to everyone equally, right? So that's why I think a solution where you know if there is a you know no helmet law. Then you know have an opt-in uh, opt-in organ donation program for all drivers, regardless of what what they ride or drive, mm -hmm. and then have the but have the option to opt out so people still have that choice, and that way it it's one size fits all. You know it's it's not complicated and it you know it, it solves the problem, right? Right. But do you believe in helmet laws? Do you think that all states should have a helmet law? I think I I have no problem with helmet laws per se. Right. Um, but, you know, but I, I, you know, and I've lived in states that have not had helmet laws. I've lived in states that do have helmet laws. I, I wear helmets regardless. Right. You know? But I mean, you can take the AMA stance, which is we don't believe in helmet laws, but we believe everyone should wear a helmet. Okay. But here's the reality. Right. Is that not everybody is wearing a helmet? Not everybody yeah. is doing what's best for them oh, and no. for their family and their community. I and agree. so this law is saying, okay, you can have your freedom to choose, and, and, but and there's it, going to be a tether to that. Right. And and is writing laws going to be what's going to persuade those people to change their behavior? So what do you guys think about, as I said, what if you made it a, a a tether it that only states with helmet laws can have lane filtering, lane splitting. I I don't know. I, I, I get don't to see how that helps the issue. I I don't. I mean, I'm I'm anti helmet law, but I always wear a helmet. I mean, so and I think my whole life I've worn helmets. I, I don't think I've ever ridden without a helmet. Um, You're anti the man. Well, I just don't like the government telling us what to do in our own bodies. Yes, I, I, do. I, I do think I know. I do think we should require if you don't wear a helmet, you should have to carry a higher level of liability insurance. Because what I don't want is my tax dollars paying for some idiot who doesn't want to wear a helmet, gets gets in a wreck, goes to the hospital, doesn't have good health insurance, and the tax and the bill comes back to the taxpayer. So I think there's other ways to accomplish that, but I, I'm not just yeah. I, I don't I just don't like it when the government because it's just to Emma's point earlier, it's a slippery slope. So what's next? Yeah. So the only thing I, I will agree, I mean, I'll say I see the point and I'm kind of like, yeah, it's bad. You're being forced to harvest and uh, organs and to like, you know, to target motorcyclists. So I see the point and the AMA is looking out for us. But on the other hand, I'm like, eh, I'm not really going to fight this one because I kind of think it's good. 
but I do see the the slippery slope right. of right. This can travel to more things. Again, anytime you let somebody target a motorcyclist, and yes. in this case, treating them as meat donors, yep. that that is bad. But the, the easiest donor cycles. Yeah. And, you know, as far as my my argument on this is when you regard it as a slippery slope, if you want to stop a train, it's far easier to stop it leaving the station. Because once it's left and it's already moving, it's a lot harder to stop. So once you start legislation like this, it is going to be a lot easier for the law to add on to it right. and broaden the group. It's easier to nip this in the bud and just kill it dead. Yeah. Far easier. So, so whether you think it's relevant or not to you, that's the the point is this kind of arbitrary legislation, you've got to nip it in the bud. You've got to stop it before it gains any momentum. I, I agree. And I you know, again, I'll say this, maybe this is too political, but I think a woman should have the right to decide what's up for her own body. And I think a motorcycle rider should decide whether or not he wants to ride it wear a helmet or not. It's about freedom of choice. Ooh. How about if you wear a helmet, you're allowed to get an abortion? There's some people might go for that. <laughs> what what kind of helmet are we talking about now? Exactly. <laughs> I know. It gets muddy. Well, I want to hear what other people think. I mean, I think that most people will have the same instant reaction. And Emma, this is why I was keeping you out of the conversation we we're having in the garage today, because I wanted you to have that instant reaction, your gut reaction. Like, I don't know. Because once I, my first gut reaction too is, well, that's wrong. But then when I started thinking about it, I'm like, I can, I can kind of see how this can help a lot of people too. So I want to hear what people think about this. Uh, send us an email at motorcyclesandmisfits at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the loony bill, especially if you're in Connecticut. Yeah, I, I mean, let's say, we, we've got listeners in Connecticut. I want to hear from you guys yeah. because, I mean, basically it's all very well for, you know, for us la-di-da and foldy rolls Californian talking about um, you cats in Connecticut. I want to hear from you. Yeah. Let's hear from our Connecticut friends. What do you make of well, all this? Actually, speaking of California, there's a bill being proposed here in California yep. that I wanted to get your guys' opinion on. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know if you heard this one. I I can guess. Al Croma. Uh so California has is proposing a ban on chrome plating. Oh, I saw yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Bagel, what's your initial reaction to that? What do you think? California. <laughs> um <laughs> I mean no, it's the, the I mean, the environmental laws in California are so hostile to chrome plating to as it is, it's really not that much of a surprise. Yeah. Um, and the quality of chrome that can be done in California just is not that good to begin with. So yeah. people who really want good chrome go outside of California anyway. Right. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like, okay, well, there you go. It's just the inevitable. I think as we were talking about it today in the garage, we're all like, Shrugging our shoulders, like, okay, like, 
So you know, what? Yeah. Well, but, but does but but will this will this like lead to the growth of like craft chrome platers, like people who ah. do it as like a hobby and like? Oh no, I don't think so. Yeah, the because chemicals are bad, right? Yeah, the the chemicals <laughs> you need chromium. to use. Yeah, I mean, you need cyanide in the process, and you yeah. know, you really need to know what you're doing. What True. I think it'll do is. Most of the chroming done in California now, with, with an exception of a, a big plant in Hayward, um, most of it's done in very, very Southern California. And I think it's just going to move across the border. Yeah, there's nothing in TJ. Yeah, you, you yeah so everything's going to move to TJ. But on a, on a slightly tangential but related topic, I want to... Tangential? Is that a real word? Yes. <laughs> yes. Tangential. My genitals. Yeah, it's a yes, real Some people have tangentials, I'm sure. I don't tell you. Mine's like so, the moon. Um, um, somebody I went to school with um, was a pilot for many years and flew um, 747s, freighters. And back in the 70s and 80s, he said you never needed a compass when you were heading towards L.A. because you could see it. You'd see a brown, <laughs> you could see a brown bubble. He's coming into L.A. at 40,000 feet. And if, he said from 150 miles away, you could see this brown bubble over the city, the smog. You yep. knew exactly where it was. And that's largely gone away now. Now, L.A. has still got smog problems, but it's Nothing nowhere like it was. near as bad as it used <laughs> yeah. to be. Yeah. Is that a good thing? Of course it is, because we can breathe and, you know, people don't have as much asthma. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, it's it's... That side of it's a good thing. Chroming has become, there's so little of it around. You know, we were looking at all the cars in the parking lot, and there's so little chrome around now. I know it's used a lot in industry. It's going to affect the classic car and the classic bike people a lot more. Um, but and, most, and most, most, most chrome is on plastic these days too, right? Yeah, and that's a slightly different process. So, yeah, um Exactly. Nah, you know, I think in the big scheme of things, it's not going to affect that much. Liza's got a hand up. Yes, Miss Rona. Dude, now I forgot what I was going to say. No. Um, <laughs> so, Emma, that um, that Triumph Tiger Cub that I keep harassing you about that's in your backyard. Yes. When I pulled that out of my friend's yard, it yes. was in the ivy. Yes. And I was amazed at how good the chrome yes. on that. Uh, exhaust pipe was because 1960s triumph and i've often joked about how many people died to make chrome that good well and that's that's been a running joke right and then cut to when i built my big chopper yes like they had like all the pro one and all the parts and i remember i spent like a thousand dollars just on my hand controls and all the chrome fell And off. within a year, the chrome started flaking off from it just sitting in my garage here. And I'm like, enough people didn't die for this chrome. Right. Because <laughs> that's like California chrome. And it's been a running joke. But here's the thing that I found out about this from somebody on Facebook who's not in California who posted like, oh, here goes California again. You know, with all these crazy responses to things. In 2035, no gas cars. And oh, now they want to get rid of chrome plating. But this one, I'm like, yeah, no, California's on the on the spot. This again. There's a reason that California is the first to stand up, to standardize, to change, to regularize, right. 
to ban because it's what's best for us and, and the community. And what's going to happen is they'll ban it here and it's going to be a trickle down. It's going to go down to other states, to other countries. But also what's going to happen is there's going to be other forms that will replace it. And as she said, go look at a modern car today. Oh, the sweet little chrome. Or a non-cruiser motorcycle. There's so little chrome on it. But you have other things like powder coating or anodizing, right? There's other things that will improve and get better. Well, you know, this process of painted chrome, it's an incredible process. You, You paint something very, very glossy black. And then there's a coating you put over the top of that. And it, it looks exactly like old-fashioned chrome. Hmm. And it's just getting better all the time. We're, they're working on longevity. Is it durable? Now. Oh, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is durable. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, but the, I mean, I think it's going to be one of those things. It's going to require an adjustment. But, you know, if we're on the subject of paint, most cars painted in California now, um, not the clear top coat, but the actual base coats and the color is water-based paint. Now the primers are water-based and the colors are water-based and it's done yeah. wonders for the environment. I mean, paint shops now, all my friends who work at paint shops don't look like the walking dead anymore. They've actually got some color to them, you know, and they're not like <laughs> when they're talking. Um, so it's really cut down on the toxins and the cars look just as good as they always did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you know, for, there's going to be alternatives. They'll come up. But with here's it. here's the thing: I want to remind people: Chrome is just for aesthetics. Chrome don't get you home. It is not True. necessary. But we do have to recognize a certain segment of the motorcycle community that this does affect greatly, potentially, or not potentially. Let's just put it out there: cruisers and and. And, you know, we say, when I say Harley, we are, it's like saying Coke, but you also mean Sprite and Pepsi. When we say Harley, we mean Indian and Victory and Japanese cruisers, but just cruisers. Chrome is a big thing. It's a, and, it's a big thing in the, in the, the style. Well, yeah, hang and, on and there. vintage bikes in general, right? right? Well, vintage, I'll tell you something about vintage bikes. Generally, these days, vintage bikes, it's money, no object when you when you restore a vintage bike. And right. so if you want chroming done, you just send it out to Connecticut or something. <laughs> as far as the Harley crowd go, it's not just the Harley crowd, Liza. It's the Harley crowd of a certain age. Most of my young diner bro friends are all blacking their bikes out. Yeah. My diner's a chrome-laden dinosaur, you know, as you know. But most diners don't look like that. You know, just about everybody I know who's under 40 who rides a diner are blacking them out. That's are you a dinabra? I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, and here's the thing. I don't know the answer to this. Emma, best guess. Where do you think Harley Davidson gets their parts chromed? That's a very, very good question. Um, just by sheer volume, they have to do some of them in-house. Um, I mean... Yeah, you sure it's not in India? It could be. I mean, the trouble is, all manufacturers, doesn't matter whether it's Harley, whether it's Suzuki, whether it's Triumph, I mean, they've become very, very global. And the temptation, if you want to do chrome outside casings, 
rather than just set up and do it all in-house. He's just farm it out to somebody who does it already for a different manufacturer. So I would love to know where everything is coming from. But yeah, not so, not everything's coming from America. I know that. Um, so here's the, the the big picture on this is this is a good thing. And I think for me, and I think for all of you, I, I hope it's the same. I'm proud when California steps up and takes the lead in changing the way things happen. And when you really think about it, Chrome isn't necessary in the, the, the damage it does just for something that's aesthetic. When there are alternatives, I've seen Chrome powder coating is getting better and better. It's not quite there yet, but there are alternatives. And then, you know, maybe we need more anodizing out there. Anodizing is cool, right? So, um, you know, I, I think this is great and I'm proud of California for doing that, but just know it's not going to affect any of the industries really just California banding alone. People are going to be going out of state, out of country. And for the lifetime of the vehicles that you have that need Chrome, somebody will be doing it somewhere. You're okay, but this will force a change. And new things will come from it. And already, as we've seen, I mean, how many cars are built with steel bodies anymore, right? Right. They're not. Everything has changed. They're all being painted. And some of them are, are just plastic. I mean, it's okay. Well, not just I'm in a vinyl to, wrap on his bike. So there you go. Yeah. I'm here <laughs> to tell everyone, don't worry. It's okay. It's a good thing. But of course. Feel free to share your opinions with us at phil at clevelandmoto.com. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. <laughs> so let me give a quick plug to the AMA also. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons I joined the AMA, because I really want to make sure that somebody has our backs as motorcyclists. So, I, you know, I just want to continue to encourage our listeners, join the AMA, uh, get involved. They're the ones that are going to fight for us in these, all these issues, and they also promote racing. And a lot of other things and vintage motorcycle days in the, in the summertime. So, you know, go ahead and spend that money and, and join the AMA and help protect our rights as riders. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so after I left DC, I was just there for a day. Um, I went up to New York to go see some Broadway shows and have some good food and, and have Did some you fun. See motorcycle and, Broadway shows or just in general? No, 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 but I'll get to that. But I did see the secret tennis court in Grand Central Station. Oh, wow. Wow. A lot of people don't know is there. I did. I like to do the tours. Also, did you know that they built another train station under Grand Central Station? If you didn't know, Grand Central Station has like 120 lines or something. They built another train station with like 40-something lines, 150 feet underneath that. For what? And wow. it just opened last week. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yes. And, and where does that go? So Grand Central Station is a terminal, meaning all trains end or start there. Mm -hmm. But there are some that wanted to be able to pass through and go to other terminals. Penn Station. And so... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this is a stop, but not the end, if that makes hmm. sense. Wow. Yeah, I'm like, what? Okay. Like, that's some major 
shit. That's what, <laughs> but, and that's one of my yeah. favorite buildings in the world. That that station. It's it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I, I did tours and stuff, but <laughs> um, one of the things that I noticed while I was there, I was I sent I think Emma a picture while I was there. Is remember um, we talked about the all the stuff going on with the New York Motorcycle Task Force or targeting motorcyclists and having checkpoints and and all that. And they're crushing all these bikes and scooters there. Well, I got to see firsthand kind of what the the issue is there. So what I saw were a ton of electric motorcycles and scooters whizzing around everywhere. They're being used by couriers and delivery people. They're, I mean, they're everywhere. None of them plated and most of them not wearing gear, not, you know, like motorcycle gear, because these things are still falling under the moped slash e-bike category, Mm -hmm. even though they're doing 50 miles an hour in the bike lane. Wow. It's kind of ridiculous. And they're Hmm. going on sidewalks and they're, you know, parking at bike racks and they're, you know, just going wherever they need to go. On the one hand, I can see how these bikes. Oh, and the reason that these are blowing up, because these are these Chinese bikes that cost about $1,500. Go to flyebike.com. You can see all these bikes and scooters, 1500 up to like 3500 for a brand new bike. But again, they're not registered. Yeah. So they're not generating any income for the city. They're not like, they're not paying tolls or, I mean, there's, you know, it's, they just are treated like a bicycle. They're not uh, subject to the laws and safety and all that. This is why um, we can't but, do nice things. But on the one hand, for the courier delivery service, it's blown up. Now they're getting there faster and delivering more on a scooter than they did on a bicycle. And they're not taking up as much space as they did in a car or a van. Right. Mm -hmm. So for the delivery courier service, that how important do you think it was during COVID for the delivery? courier service to uh, be able to expand quickly. Oh, probably pretty important. Yes. And so on the one hand, this has created jobs and it's created a better industry. And I mean, there are a lot of people getting delivered. Yeah. Is it important that people get their Chinese food delivered faster? I don't know, but it's important for the person who's trying to make a living delivering Chinese food that they can now do more deliveries and actually make more money so that that is still an option for us. Right. And for the couriers delivering stuff everywhere, but on the other hand, trying to cross the street. And at one point I was in intersection. I looked up, I was on like uh, I think ninth Avenue, which is pretty you know fast. I look up and I see a bicycle coming down. I'm like, oh, I'm going to wait for the bicycle to pass. And as the bicycle's coming, here comes an e-bike with pedal assist that comes and goes, flies past that bicycle. And I'm like, whoa. And then on the outside of them, a electric scooter, shing, past them. And I was like, whoa. We had three completely different speeds 
traveling in the same lane. And I'm like, this is dangerous for pedestrians, for other drivers, for the other riders. I can see how this is causing issues. Was it against the light or were they, were they legal? No. Yeah, it's legal. They're in the bike lane. So they didn't, uh, they didn't cross it when you had the, you know, the pedestrian walk. No, no, no. Yeah. There was no law being broken. It's just, I think it brings up even with like this, the super 73s, like do, do they, are they allowed to go on the bike paths on the bike trails now that they're doing 35 miles an hour? Well, the, uh, aren't, I mean, aren't the mountain bikers having the same conversation with the uh, pedal assist? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of conversation yeah. because basically all these electric vehicles have created this in between motorized vehicles and pedal vehicles. And they now go as fast as the motorized vehicles, but they're falling into the category as the pedal vehicles. And so I can see, yeah. I could see kind of the issues there. And and again, the lack of safety gear. Yeah, yeah, and and just the speed differential is is a risk, you know, and and that's why a lot of people yes. prefer to have you know an isolated bike path so that they can ride a bicycle without having to compete with faster vehicles, and to have some you know electric scooter whiz by at fifty miles an hour. That's that's really that's that's really frightening. Yeah. So I mean, I, again, like with these other controversial subjects i can see both sides but i think and this is a continuing conversation and this is something i do want to talk more actually i want to go above the ama i asked them hey can you get me a an interview with pete Buttigieg? <laughs> i want oh, to man. ask him yeah the head of the dot i want to ask him about this where do these vehicles fall and how does it affect us as motorcyclists because it does our yeah. reputations, right? Absolutely, Let's yeah. get him on the show. <laughs> well, yeah, no, they're like, yeah, you can't get him. <laughs> yeah, I bet him. we could. I <laughs> bet we could get Mayor Pete if we wanted. Word salad. <laughs> but yeah, it just got me thinking more about this. Like we've been following. We know that this is an issue. Um, where does it fall? Because on the other hand, I love seeing all these young people riding these like super 73s around that look like, you know, our huffy bikes of our youth, which we thought were like little motorcycles and we had so much fun on them and the mobility and the fun that it gives people the same feeling that we get on our motorcycles. I mean, technically this is a, uh, what do you call the gateway drug? Yeah. And I mean, right? yeah, mm -hmm. there is that, but I think uh we all, as hopefully responsible motorcyclists, and it's certainly what we preach down at the Misfit Garage, is that there is a responsibility that comes with the fun. And responsibility is not just to keep yourself safe, is just not to ride like a complete twat in in urban areas where you could hurt somebody else. You know? But and here's an example. So my amigo... Yes. Which right? is a complete the, death trap. <laughs> oh, that thing's crazy. The Amigo qualifies as a motor vehicle. So it has to follow not just uh, federal emissions, 
California state emissions. It needs to have all the proper lights. It needs to have the registration. It needs to have the insurance. Yet, uh, Conrad was here on his Suron today, which is faster and more capable than that Amigo, but doesn't qualify as a motor vehicle. Therefore, it doesn't require any of those things. So the issue is really it's internal combustion. Well, I'm no. The issue well, is the the. I mean, the it's definition bureaucracy. of what it is. Yeah, it, there's it, a crossover. There's a loophole there. I mean, Conrad Conrad is basically yeah. riding a motorized bicycle, right? Whereas the Amigo is um, a motorbike in cactus green. I might add. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, that's just another thing that um, that I was able to see in New York, how prevalent it is there. And then I could easily see that if it hasn't already, how this would be spreading to all major cities, that these are everywhere. And, and is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And is it going to force change in motor vehicle registration and safety? And how about none of them have driver's licenses for these? Yet to ride the Amigo on the street, you have to take the motorcycle safety class and pass the test. Right. Right. Doesn't make sense. So here's yet another. This is a whole top. This all. These are all controversies. How how do you say, Emma? Controversies? Controversy. Controversy. That's right. Uh, All this is fascinating. We're, We're going to keep following all of these again if you have an opinion please let us know what you think about the e-bikes um because yeah and i even sent you a picture oh i didn't send it to you john and big i'll send it to you or i'll just show you on the screen there was one i saw parked outside of my hotel that um let's see can you guys oh let me do this Mm -hmm. Uh, hold on is that a pretty crappy picture? Can you see that? Kind of yeah. looks like a bike of some sort. Can you see the exhaust? I can. Okay. It's, it's an electric motorcycle. What's the exhaust for then? <laughs> okay. Exactly. Hold on. I'll send That's you. That's a charger. You I'll plug the charger guys, in there. <laughs> hold on. I'll send you the photo because it's like, what? It's, it's quite a sporty looking thing. Uh, let's see if you send it to Bagel. You still have the image, Emma? Yeah, I think so. Um, Hang on. <clears throat> Do you want me to send it to Johnny? No, I, I sent it to him. So this is a bike that looks like a sport bike. It could be a, a Ninja 400. I mean, it could be anything. Um, but it is a not plated electric motorcycle. Wow. Right. And and I, I'm, I'm guessing. With a very fake. It's not only is the exhaust fake, the carbon fiber wrap on it is fake. <laughs> but I'm, I'm presume. I mean, I'm looking at this thing and it, it, it's about two thirds scale, isn't it? So about three quarters scale. It's quite a small thing. No, no, it's, Look, you could see a, a Honda Pilot. Well, a um, Pilot's not a big it. car. So yes, I'm, it is. I have one in my driveway. Yeah, it's a big uh, car. Okay. 
So, I mean, um, it's, it's what? It's about the size of a Ninja 250. Yeah, or, yeah. Okay. Or, um, but I find it hysterical that this exhaust, that if you follow the exhaust up, it goes to nothing. There's a, there's just <laughs> Yeah, nothing. I see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got a Rossi sticker again, on, Joe. Yeah. This is non-plated hmm. e-bike that people are ripping around on. You're just asking to be pulled over with that and look so much like a with real a, motorcycle. With a hub motor, no less. Yeah. Oh, it's a hub motor? Hmm. Yep. Oh. Yes. Yeah, it's a big hub. Oh, yeah. Hub. I see it now. It's wow. Hub. It's going nicely rusty already. I mean, my yeah, God. Yeah, right in the battery box, too. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good place for there to be corrosion. Interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's quite controversial. So... We've got our, our main, we're now to get to the main topic. Well, it's not the main topic, but this is something that um, I asked Emma to do a history hole on. There is a bike yes. that I've been aware of. I've seen one. I haven't ridden one, but I was thinking about this. You know, I, I, I've only seen, I think, two in person in my life. One right. of them was actually here in Santa Cruz. And I didn't know much about this bike. And I, I was asking people at the garage today, I'm like, have you ever seen one? And the answer is, most people have never seen one. Some people have heard of it. Most people have never heard of it. But I think that most people have seen one and don't know it. And I guarantee you, everyone in England or America, once we get into the story, has seen a derivative of it's one of its products as a, this is a <clears throat> as, as a domestic product i saw a lot of them in cuba hmm. cuba this is a bike mm-hmm. I, i've always been curious about um just to know more well uh and, and why they weren't more successful because from my understanding they were well-made machines so i yeah, asked emma to tell us all about the MZ, or at some point it was also called the Muse, M-U-Z. Yeah, and I mean, they just they, they just dropped the U at some stage. But MZ stands for Machine and Fabrique Joppel, which is what is in now East Germany. But of course, it wasn't East Germany when it was formed. It was just Germany. Germany! Because... Um, Machine and Fabrique Joppau is actually one of the oldest European motorcycle manufacturers. How about that? So, yes. So the company was actually founded by a Dane in 1906, but not as a motorcycle um, factory, as a textile mill. Humble beginnings. Guess what Suzuki started out as? Textile mill. 1907, Mm -hmm. engine supplier. But these weren't internal combustion engines. These were steam engines, small (laughs) scale. Um, 1917, they supplied a very, very small steam engine for um, uh, uh, road use and became the beginnings of the name it was actually called the dampfkraftwagen when you know what a dampfkraftwagen is don't you bagel yes steam-powered car yes steam-powered vehicle but the name stuck 
but it became a different meaning. But the name stuck, and that was in 1917. 1920 saw the introduction of the two-stroke engine for motorcycling. And then in 1923, it was actually, it was renamed DKW Das Kleine Wunder and absorbed into um, the Auto Union brand. Now, here's an interesting fact. In 1929, it was the largest motorcycle manufacturer in the world with 60,000 units produced. We're talking about a pretty heavy hitter now. Um, so, 19, let's, let's talk about a little bit about what happened in the 1930s. So, the 1930s, there was a lot of brands brought under the DKW brand. There was Horsch and Audi, who were car manufacturers, and Vondra, which was a motorcycle manufacturer who made the larger bikes. And, of course... Good old DKW. In 1939, they introduced a bike called the RT125. We're going to come back to that bike, but it was a pivotal bike. And we'll talk about why it was important, and we'll talk about the impact it had on bikes in England and America. 1948. So we've kind of bypassed the war. And I'm going to revisit the, the, those years in a bit. But in 1948, 1948 it was um, revised as IFA. And I've written down it was Industrie Verband Fahrzeuggebau, which is basically industrial um, uh, vehicle manufacturing. And IFA basically concentrated on very, very small um, cars and small motorcycles because now this is post-war and Germany has now been divided into East and West. So they were concentrated on home products. Incidentally, Auto Union became a product of the West and they concentrated on the DKW brand and the Audi brand in West Germany and went their own way. So this is the last time we're going to um, we're going to hear of them. Let's go back to that RT one twenty five. So um, during the Second World War, DKW was concentrated on um, making products for the war effort. And in particular, the RT-125 was a fabulous little dispatch bike. And it was just real small, 125, three-speed transmission, but it was very, very reliable. It made good power for what it was. I mean, you're not talking much. You're probably talking about seven or eight horsepower, but it was plenty to move it along. So um, at the end of the Second World War, any things of value were really divided up between England Russia and America and the RT125 was so good England Russia and America decided they all wanted a piece of it so in England they developed it and made it into the BSA Bantam in America they developed it and made it into the Harley Davidson Hummer 
in Russia, they developed it and they made it into, I'm pretty sure it was the, um, uh, uh, the Cossack 125. But nevertheless, this was basically the basis of, of this bike. And this is why I say we're, we're all riding a product of this factory and anybody of a certain age in England know what's a, knows what a BSA Bantam is. Everybody of a certain age in America knows what a Harley-Davidson Hummer is. Interestingly enough, when Liza brought up the subject of MZ, um, or as I knew them, MZ, of course, it means different things to different people. To Liza, she had this memory of, the, of an MZ Scorpion, which was a Yamaha engine, really quite a modern bike for what it was. And because that was the reality of what MZ was to you. If you talk to somebody like me who grew up in England in the 1970s as riding motorcycles, MZ meant something very, very different. And to somebody who grew up in the 40s and 50s and 60s, it meant something different still. And in fact, I was referencing when I said, I think a lot of people have seen one and didn't know they've seen one. If you look up MZ Scorpion. Right. You may have thought that was an SV650. Yeah, but it's with a K. It's a, it's a scorpion. Scorpion. So anyway. Um, yeah. But I want to talk about a little about just how innovative this company was. Now, remember, they're making bikes for the domestic market primarily. So these are fairly mundane two-stroke bikes that are very, very simple, but are actually nicely made. But... Check out this for innovation. 1952, they bring out this thing called the BK350. It's two-stroke shaft drive. And in fact, I am pretty sure that that is the only two-stroke shaft drive bike. That had to be an interesting experience, having a, sh- oh. a pipey two-stroke on a shaft drive. Yeah, well, I was going to say unrideable would probably be... Yeah. Um, an interesting statement um but from 1962 when they when they introduced their more modern range which was the es range in 125 through 250 from 1962 to 1970 they actually made a million bikes i mean this was a big how many a million one One million million. bikes (laughs) um i invite everyone some of the styling was interesting to say the least i invite everyone to look at an mz 250 trophy which is an odd looking beast to say the least um there were others um within the brand and simpson is a great example and simpson was reserved for the under 50 cc bikes um, in fact, on a very, very early occasion when I came down to the Misfits, I brought a Simpson Schwalbe with me, a little Swallow, um, which is a scooter, which you may remember. I'm sorry, which, which MZ am I looking up again? Uh, the 250 Trophy. I send you a picture. 250 Trophy. Oh, that's one. Yes, with the the pronounced schnabel. The, it's, it's definitely got what a schnabel on it. Yes. <laughs> um, and during the 70s, so we'll pick up, what I remember, MZs, all through the 1970s, MZs were seen as a low-cost alternative to the Japanese offering. 
they were a little more conservative. Mm-hmm. It's not the sort of thing a fashionable lad would have, you know. You know, if you like like flared pants and platform boots, you're not going to be riding on an MZ. It's the kind of thing your dad would ride um, to work and back. Um, but they were actually very, very nicely made, and they made reasonable power. Um but they were kind of a, quite unfairly lumped in with Jawa and CZ. And we'll do a history hole on those guys as well. But I hate to say it, MZ were actually a better quality. Um, the CZ was actually a far more conventional looking bike. I mean, the styling on MZs was odd to say the least. Um, and almost like they enjoyed being eccentric. Um, <coughs> so... They soldiered on through the 1970s. And really, I'm not going to touch too much on the later years, on the Scorpion years, because after 1984, actually, I, I beg your pardon, 1987, the company went into receivership, as a lot of these manufacturers did, and just went through successive owners who tried different products to get you know, the bikes off the ground. And the, the Scorpion was one of those products. There was actually very little made in-house. MZ, the factory, really became an assembling place for bits brought in from elsewhere. And as a profitable venture, it wasn't. Um, and they, I think in the last 10 years of its life, it changed hands seven or eight times. Um it finally went into receivership on May the 11th, 2013. And that was that. So let's have a look. 2013 from 1906. So it lasted 107 years, which wasn't a bad inning, really. <coughs> but, and John actually mentioned to me he's reading a book that is it's a very, very true story. MZ was peripherally involved in one of the greatest pieces of espionage in the motorcycle industry way back in the early 1960s. And during the 40s and the 50s, they were very, very successful at racing. They knew how to make good power. Um, And one of the things that made them so successful was this very, very special design of expansion chamber. Right. And um, it was all the brainchild of their chief engineer, who was Werther Carden, who was an absolutely blistering engineer. He knew two strokes in and out. He'd been working with them since the early teens. He knew exhaust pipes well. Um, However, the big thing that happened was in 1962, their works rider, who was... Ernst, what's that last name? I think it's de Gauer. He defected and he took these secrets with him to Suzuki. And the actual first Japanese bike to get a major world racing championship was Suzuki, not Honda. And it was based on the exhaust pipe design 
from MZ, which was stolen mm. when they when they if test ride is defected. Interested in this? The book is called Stealing Speed. Stealing Speed, and it chronicles mm. this whole thing. Yep, and it all happened in the very very early sixties. But that blew me away, and I'd I'd completely forgotten that. And I remember reading it many many years ago because, of course, you asked who was the first Japanese manufacturer to get a world racing title. He said, oh, of course, it was Honda. It wasn't. It was Suzuki, and it was with stolen technology. <clears throat> so, and I mean, that's it with MZ. It's it was a long and very very proud company. Um, and if you're lucky enough to see one. Now, one of the older ones, not one of the, what I'll call the kit bike, so everything sort of pre-Scorpion, is a true MZ. Have a look at it. Once you actually get past beyond the very, very bizarre styling, they are actually beautifully made. But, you know, like a lot of Eastern Bloc products, they weren't really able to move with the times. And I suppose to a certain extent that was true of the British bikes as well. Um, even in the 1970s, if you were riding a contemporary British bike, it felt like a product from the 1960s. And that was true of cars as well. Um, you know, even a Jag drives like a car that's much older than it is. I mean, that's kind of how things are in England. But, you know, the the MZs, the, they were more so. And the CZs as well. And the the the, the, the Cossacks, the Russian bikes, they were very, very antiquated design in the 40s and 50s and 60s, absolutely cutting edge. But by the 70s, they were getting very, very old-fashioned, um, and the R&D money just wasn't being pumped into them. So they were, they were always great quality, but not, you know, they didn't have that exciting spark. You know, as a 17-year-old, you know, given the choice between a Kawasaki 250 triple two-stroke and a single-cylinder MZ250, which made half the power, well, it's no-brainer. Which one do you think I'd go for, like everybody else? So that was, really, that was really the death of them. Did you yeah. check out the MZ scooter? Uh, the scooter? I did not see the it's scooter. It's called the Mosquito with a K. <laughs> so I'm like, that, that, that is rings the a bell. That is the cutest name, the MZ Mosquito. But I sent you guys a link the to a, a site that has a bunch for sale. John, when you look at, did you look at the, that link I sent you? Did you see the uh, MZ Bagheera? I already said that the Scorpion looks kind of like an SV650. That MZ Bagheera, which is a dual sport slash supermoto, what does that look like to you? Well, uh, oh, interesting. What does it resemble? It looks a little bit like a BMW F650. Yes, it does. But yeah. you know. Exactly. But and these, again, my point, people may have seen one of these right. and not known. But these are the kit bikes. These aren't really the heritage of MZ. Right. You know, MZ to me will always be. The oddly styled, little bit antiquated, but beautifully made two strokes. And that's right. that's who they yeah. are to me. And but to the, a, the a lot MZs of people, that came here. Yes, exactly. Um, and the MZs that you can buy one today. And when you look at the Scorpion, it's a it's a good looking bike. Oh, they're great looking bikes. Well, they raced them in, in Europe, right? They had a, their yeah. own their own class. Yeah, they had a Scorpion class. 
The MZ Scorpion kind of resembles um, a little bit of the SV650. Um, also, um, let's see, there was, I mean, yeah, that Bagheera is pretty cool. You can go by, I'm looking at a site right here. Um, have you heard of the Silver Star, Emma? Yeah. That's a, a like, like a, a classic looking bike. Like a Silverwing, almost. Yeah, yeah. But that Bagheera, uh, if you're in Cumberland Center, Maine, there's a 2001 MZ Bagheera for $2,700, which looks like a really fun supermoto. Uh, if you're in Miami Springs, Florida, there's a 2004 Bagheera for 3000 If you're in Palm Bay, Florida, you can get a Scorpion Sport in 1996 for 2250 And these are all clean running bikes. Uh, I'm suspicious of the Scorpion in New York that's only $500. Oh, there's a sidecar one in Daytona. Yes, right? Hmm. Uh, for $6,000. Um, but these are affordable. And very and much loved. I bikes. mean, parts part supply is going to be interesting. They shared, like say, these are the kit bikes. So they shared a lot of engine components. You know, <laughs> they sourced engines from Suzuki. They sourced engines from Kawasaki um, and Yamaha. So you that's where you're going to get engine parts. Chassis parts, you're kind of on your own. Um, if but if you you're be in able Wisconsin. To figure, yes. There is a Scorpion, Touring Scorpion, for $1,000. Um, there's a, yeah, it's very interesting. But here's here's what I am, am posing to you guys. Going back to part of the conversation you had last week, and we've had prior to that, about what makes a collectible motorcycle, right? What's the next thing? Oh, I know what the next one is. And we already know. If you want to boil down the formula, is that the most common things are the most collectible. Oftentimes, the things are the, the, the most popular that also have the shortest shelf life become the most collectible because it, it's a nostalgic journey. I mean, it takes you back to... perfect example is... The most affordable car at its at the time was the VW Bug. How many here people here owned one or knew somebody who had? Right, of everyone. Everybody. Have you seen how much a VW Bug goes for now? Well, more importantly, yeah. how often yeah. do you see them driving down the street now? The most common things become the most collectible when the numbers are low enough, right? Right. So. But there's another faction, another formula of what makes something collectible, and that is the rare, the unique, and the, uh, the, the things that are engineered well. So my question to Emma is, is the MZ, these 90s and early 2000s MZs that you can buy very affordably here used, are these future collectibles? No. Because <laughs> they don't have the pedigree. They're kit bikes. If they had MZ engines, if they had, if they would, if they had parts that were sourced from the factory, yes. So the original two strokes maybe would be collected? Maybe. Yeah. You know, they've certainly got a following. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't think they've got the pedigree. They'll always be an interesting bike, though. And as you point out, they're great-looking bikes. You know, 
Certainly the uh, um, the Bagheras have got this really nice, like, thuggish quality about them. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a very very um, aggressive looking bike, but it hasn't got the pedigree. It reminded me of you know growing up in the sport. Well, my dad being a racer, I remember I remember seeing MZs and Jawas and Osas and Boltacos and all these great brands that have gone away now. But just the '70s was so great for having these kind of off brands, but still competitive, and uh, it was fun. You know, but maybe we're getting back there with the Chinese bikes. Maybe. Maybe. So that's it. I just wanted to uh, share that with you. I've always found the MZs interesting. Like I said, I bet you everyone has seen one and never knew they did. Yeah. There you go. So um, it brings us to our next thing. In honor of the fly e-bikes, I came up with a game. It's game time. Yay, game time. Yay. Oh, God. All right, I need a scorekeeper. Who can keep score? Bagel's good at numbers. Yeah, Bagel knows, knows numbers and things. Okay. <laughs> all right, you're all competing against each other, Bagel, so you need a column for each of you. I- including for myself? Yes, including for yourself. That seems horribly unfair. Uh, no, Life, it's not. We, we trust you, <laughs> Life's not fair, Bagel. Okay. true. This is a game we've played many times before, but it's been a while. Uh, it's officially called this, that, or the other. But in this case, uh, this is a, a, I've got three different categories. And I'm going to list, you, I'm going to give you the name of something. And you have to tell me what category it comes from. It's that simple. Okay. The categories are e-bikes. The other categories are supervillains and big pharma companies. Okay. All right. Uh, It's that easy. Isn't that that the same thing? (laughs) It's that easy. Yeah. So I'm going to give, we'll go one at a time. We'll go John, Emma, Bagel. Each take a turn. I will give you, I'll randomly pick something. And all you got to do is tell me if it's an e-bike, a supervillain, or big pharma. Are you going to buy a taco for the winner? <laughs> nope. Oh. <laughs> okay, we're going to start with John. Yeah, Johnny. Insurgent. What's the middle category again? A villain? Yep. E-bike, villain, or big pharma? Big pharma. No, that is a fly e-bike. Wow. No point. <laughs> An insurgent. Hmm. Stupid Insurgent. name. What a stupid name. Yes. That was a name that was Emma. decided. In- Hello. I'm going to give you Megatron. Oh, that's a supervillain. That is that is correct. And for an extra point, do you know from where? Do I can I steal? No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, I was going to say The Incredibles, but it wasn't because that was Syndrome, wasn't it? Megatron. Um, Iron Man? No. Transformers. Oh, Robert's in disguise. Right, Bob. (laughs) Okay. Bagel. Yes. Xperia. Xperia. That sounds, like, that sounds like a uh, big pharma company. 
No, I'm sorry. That is the Energica's um, ADV <laughs> oh, bike. Oh, my. <laughs> Energica's anal suppository. Yeah, I was going to say, you can use it as a suppository if okay. your bottom's big enough. <laughs> Mine might be. So, Emma has one point. Mm-hmm. All right, next round. John. Johnny. Spark. That's a uh, e-bike. No, I'm sorry. That's a big pharma company. <laughs> it's also a car. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> but that's not one of the categories. I suck at this game. All right. Emma. Hello. Let's go with Sauron. S-A-U-R-O-N. Sauron. S-A-U-R-O-N. Sauron. 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 E-bike. No, I'm sorry. That is a villain from Lord of the Rings. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. It's a main villain. <laughs> I targeted Emma for that one. <laughs> I figured you. <laughs> well, what's the name of the bike that. that was here today? That uh, the kid rides. Sora. <laughs> Sora. Yeah, it's very close. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay, Bagel. Yes. Let's go with. Let's go with Acorn. A K O R N. Hmm. I'm going to say that is an e-bike. No, that's big pharma. Uh, wow. Okay. I thought this was a stupid game. Now I'm seeing the, the wisdom of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, John. Yes. Zoom. Well, we're, we're on Zoom right now. That doesn't count, though. <laughs> yeah. Is it an e-bike, a super villain, or a big pharma company? I'm going to go with e-bike. No, no I'm sorry. Not. That is a villain from Flash. The Flash. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, I love that Flash Gordon, the 1980 film. Yeah, oh, it's great. The one that film. Ted talked about. Remember? That's yes. yes. All right, Emma. Hello. Go go row. Go go row. <laughs> go go row. <laughs> um. God Almighty. I want to say, you know, it's, it would be so obvious to say it's an e-bike, but it can't be. It cannot be that obvious. Is it a supervillain? That's my, that would be my guess. It sounds like it, doesn't it? Because, I mean, no, no big pharma company. <laughs> Take this go row row and see me in the morning. Ah, it's a super villain. No, I'm sorry, it's an e bike. Oh no! Yep. Well, go well, row. Friggin' obvious. Yeah. All right, bagel. All right, Mojo Jojo. Oh my god, Mojo Jojo. Mojo Jojo. Yeah, that's yeah. got to be. That's got to be an e bike. No, I'm sorry. It's a villain from the Powderpuff Girls. Oh. It was actually, uh, Liza, it's going to be a point for me because they are the Powerpuff Girls. Yes, you're right. Powerpuff Girls. Oh, it's not Powder? (laughs) No, it is the the Powerpuff Girls. Never knew that. Yes. All right, John. Yeah. Let's go with Dark Side. But it's D-A-R-K-S-E-I-D, Dark Side. My first guess would be a villain, but that's probably not the right one because my first guesses haven't been right. So I'm going to go with e-bike. 
No, it's a villain. <laughs> <laughs> I should get half a point for that. It's a villain from, uh, from your first second guess was wrong. <laughs> exactly. It's a villain from uh, DC DC Comics. Oh. All right, Emma. Hello. Oh, okay. Shredder. Mm. Shredder. That's gotta Shredder. be. That's gotta be. That's a, gotta be a laxative, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's gotta be a supervillain. That is correct. From Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All right. Wow. Bagel. All right. Celtrion. C e l l t r i o n. Celtrion. That's for impotence, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go with pharmaceutical for that one. And a point goes to Bagel. All right. All right. What's the score so far? I got zip. Uh, the score is two for Emma and one for moi. Ha ha! <laughs> How many more rounds we got here? Just so I know. Uh, it's, uh, well, let's see. Well, uh, two more rounds. All right. All right, John. Yes. Tar form. Tar form. Tarform. E-bike. That is correct. Hey! Finally! <laughs> I was gonna I really thought it was pharmaceutical. <laughs> <laughs> You're on mute all of a sudden, oh, Eliza. Eliza, we can't hear you. X Gen. X dash G E N. For who? Emma. Huh. X-Gen. X-Gen. That's going to be, that's going to be big farmer e-bike. Um, I'm going to go for big farmer. That is correct. Ooh, point to Emma. <clears throat> All right. You got to use your noggin. Is <laughs> <laughs> that good British schooling? Yeah, and all that. Bagel? Yes. Swordfish. Mm, tasty. I find Swordfish. it a bit dense, actually. I like it. Is that an yeah. e-bike, a supervillain, or big pharma? I want to say that's a supervillain. Oh, that is incorrect. It is an e-bike. Oh. oh. Dang. Who fly? All right. Last round. <laughs> These points are for 25,000 oh. points. Okay. The, this round, okay? <laughs> John. Mm-hmm. Let's go with. Ooh, hmm. How about Death Stroke? Death Stroke. Death Stroke. It's got to be a. Ooh, yeah, I know, right? I don't think it'd be a pharmaceutical. That's just way too dark for that. <laughs> I. No, that's got. I'm going villain. I'm just gonna have to tell you villain. That is correct. <laughs> From New Teen Titans. All right, let's see if Emma can tar, uh, tie sample. it up. <laughs> Emma, prestige. Prestige. So that is gonna be an e-bike or. Now remember, you have to get it right. To tie yeah. with John. No, I no, no, no. She's got 
Mm-hmm. She's got she one. one more These are worth twenty five thousand. No, I know, right. but if she gets us, then she wins. She'd be she has oh, yeah, right. right. yep. um, right. Okay. So it's either an e bike or a supervillain. I don't think pharmacy called itself prestige. I'm going to go with supervillain. It is a big pharma company. Yeah. Is it really? Yes. I know Big Pharma are full of themselves, but oh, calling oh. yourself Prestige, I mean, good oh. Lord. Prestige. What does that make the score now? Uh, John has 25,001, Emma has three, and I have one. That oh. makes John the winner? No, well, no, no I have a good turn. We could go to a tiebreaker. So oh, you could go to tiebreaker. And it goes to mm-hmm. a death match. Uh oh. <laughs> Wait, so one of us has to die, you're saying? Okay. <laughs> yes. Bagel. I've chosen. I've chosen this one. Are you ready? Uh, I think <laughs> the word. The word is arc vector. Mm. Arc vector. A R C. Arc vector. I'm going to say that's knee bike. Yeah. That's correct. We're going into a death match. All right. All righty. Okay. Naked wrestle. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. These now we're going up. These are worth 50,000 points. Mm-hmm. John. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's go with uh, Gemini. Mm. I'm going to go with villain. That means that Bagel, if you get this one right, you will win because that is a big pharma company. Huh. Bagel. All right. For no you, pr- we no are going there. with Bestial. B E S T I A L. Bestial. 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 B E S T I A L. Bestial. 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 Hmm, I want to say that's a supervillain. Okay, that isn't correct. It is an e-bike. All right, Emma, I'm going to need your help with this one. All right. Um, This is the final round, and I'm going to give one to each of you, right? Yes. And it doesn't matter what the right answer is. You guys have to convince Emma that your answer is right. (laughs) Okay. And then I'll tell you afterwards if anyone got it right. Okay. All right. Does that make sense? So now, Emma, who do you want to go first, John or Bagel? Because whoever goes first, the other has to choose a different category. Who do you like better? Oh, that's not fair. (laughs) That's okay. Choose Bagel. I think they're both assholes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I love them equally. I love them equally. You've um, known Bagel longer, so go with him. Okay, so Bagel. Bagel. <laughs> yes. Okay, Bagel. Okay. The name is Radius. So you have to tell Emma which category it is and convince her why you know this is that category. And hmm. what, so what category? Is Radius. All right. I'm going to say that Radius is a big pharmaceutical company. I see. um, Because they want to reach out and spread their product around the world in a giant radius. I see. To help help all the people of the world. I see. 
So so says their marketing campaign. I see. Oh, that was weak. Okay. Oh, I, I was going to say, but are you familiar, Bagel, with yes. with the Keebler Elves? Mm-hmm. Yes. You are not one of them. You are one of the. No, f- I'm not. You are one of the feebler elves. <laughs> and they'd be like, "Could we have some?" No, I don't think we can make yeah. any today. Um, all right, feeble bagel, feeble. Cookies. All right, all right. Well, let's see so if John's John. in any better. Okay, so actually, Radius. I actually know this one. Okay. Um, oh. You know, I'm a big fan of the Marvel cin- Cinematic Universe. Yes. And there's a really um, very little known villain. Yes. In the in the and it's part of this. It's not part of part phase two. It's more yes. of like the next phase that's coming through. You know, right now we're in phase two in, in Marvel. I see. So it's it's related to the timekeepers and all the big sort of overarching power villains in the Marvel universe. So um, so Radius is sort of a, a maybe like a demon related to the time traveler guys. And what he does is he has an ability to put a, a, a force field around himself as, as a circle and it starts spinning really fast. And then it, it sh- he shoots off into the whoever he's fighting, and it has all kind of causes all kind of mayhem and stuff. So, all right. So Emma, I'm going to tell you, one of them is right. So now you have to figure out. So one which of them, is one a- of them is right. You know, because as far as I'm concerned, I mean, John's was babbling from the sick bed. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I nerded out. You know, I can do that. <laughs> one of them is right. All you need to do is pick the winner. Which one convinced you? You know, um, I hate to admit it because it was babbling from the sick bed, <laughs> but I think it might be John. Right. Well, I think the real winner here is Bagel. Well done, Bagel. Because oh, everything you. I said was who, complete bullshit. Who actually picked the right <laughs> category, but in fact, John won because Emma picked John. Oh, and it was oh. total bullshit. So, <laughs> so once again, bullshit wins. So the so the million dollars <laughs> set aside that Bagel could have paid off the mortgage mm-hmm. on his house and bought lots of scooters goes to John. Oh, I have a broken water right company. now, so I need that million dollars. Yes, well, I'm sorry, Bagel. So what do you guys think of that? Isn't it funny when you come up with names of stuff? And uh, I thought of that because when I was looking up those fly e-bikes and started seeing a lot of the names of this stuff, I'm like, oh, we've got a whole new generation of e-bikes and motorcycles and scooters out there to start pulling names from. And and then you start going, well, what do they sound like? Right. I started looking up big pharmas and right and uh, supervillains. And that funny. And you know, it's yep. it's. I'm often reminded of the phrase "lost in translation," mm-hmm. and a lot of times, manufacturers from overseas, and obviously, I'm not just talking about Japan and China, but manufacturers from all over the world will pick a name because of how it sounds, either in their native tongue or how they perceive it'll sound right. to um, a Western audience. And it's kind of, that's kind of strange, you know? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm always reminded of Daihatsu, the the very first car that they put on sale in America. The Zuntite. No, it was the <laughs> D-bag. Oh, right. <laughs> it's like the fanny pack. Yes. No, the Daihatsu D-bag. It didn't last I long. I think it was, am, am I picking this up when the Hyundai 
first came out. What well, I think the commercial, somebody would say, what is that? Is it Hyundai? And they go, God bless you. Or Gazunte. Well, that happened too. With Chevy, with Chevy started selling Nova in yeah, Spanish-speaking countries. Doesn't go. Nova means doesn't go in Spanish. Oh, there's a thousand of them. There's, yeah. a, there's an absolute thousand of them. So, I mean, you know, there's, there is a lot of... When you, when you sell something globally, sooner or later you're going to come out with something that people are like... You know, it's nature of the beast. Well... We but there are no time. losers here. Everyone is a winner. Mm-hmm. Everyone is a winner. John, John won for bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Uh, no, I think it was. It was. And, and really, I mean, it is perfect because Emma, as we all know, John is known for his shit. <laughs> wow, oh, we got to go there, don't we? Oh no. no! One of the worst moments of my life, and we have to go there. <laughs> It's not my fault I had atomic <laughs> diarrhea that day. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's not a joke. <laughs> that's why we call him Hot Shot. Oh, that was fun. I actually didn't know that whole story until like recently. She was Eliza was very gracious and didn't tell me that whole story. What about why we call you Hot Shot? Yeah, exactly. Um, are we going to repeat this when we go out no. to Vegas next week? We're not, oh, we're, I hope not. We're, we're going to go to a posh restaurant again, aren't we? In, uh, well, then it I might happen. Know. Sorry, I am not choosing the restaurants because not everybody was happy with my restaurant choices last time. I don't. I am going to eat where I want to eat with whoever wants to come with me. Well, okay. No, I don't. I don't think that's very fair, Liza. I mean, everyone was quite happy. I wasn't feeling very well myself. So no, Jim wasn't happy. Feeling- Jim wasn't happy with the cheap restaurant. You weren't happy with the expensive restaurant. There was like no pleasing the crowd. Well, you know? I was happy. In my defense, <laughs> yeah. I had just opened Mototown and I was unsure of cash flow at that stage. Right. I'd I be just... a lot happier with an expensive restaurant now. I think that I know I can okay. make a living. I'm just saying that it was a I can't win. So I'm not going to pick the restaurants this time. You guys can all pick the restaurants or everyone can take turns. That's all. That. Mickey D's. There's plenty there of restaurants to choose the from. quarter pound hot dogs at the uh, one of the, the. Yes. Yeah, they're like a buck and a half. But that's one thing for sure. When we're in Vegas, we are going to be eating good, son. Yes, because that is what one does in Vegas. Um. Hey, I think we got time for emails. And uh, Emma, oh, yes. I emailed you. A bunch. So, well, you emailed me two. Did you mean to email me two or three, darling? I don't remember. No, you emailed me two. And but one of them titled Help, I Don't Know What to Do. Yeah, funnily enough, that's the one. And it's from David Rups. David Rups. So somebody needs our help, and it's such a simple question. So, and it's not actually a simple answer. On May 27th, Ride for Dad is having a charity draw for either a 2023 Pan America Special or a 2023 BMW R1250 GSA. And today, and I love an optimist, David bought the winning ticket. (laughs) So which one do I choose? Um, It's a very, very easy choice to make, Um, David. I have an answer. Do you have an answer? Well, I have two. Because, I have a very strong opinion about this. Well, I know you do. However, <laughs> um, my head is saying buy the BMW. However. Let's choose, just, not buy. Choose. Right. My No, my head is saying choose the BMW. But my heart is saying choose the Pan America. Um, yeah, just because. Mm. 
Just because I think the Pan America is the is the more romantic choice, the more passionate. I think it depends choice. on what kind of riding he's actually going to do. If he's going to try to do some fire roads and stuff, I I would rather be on a GS for that than the Pan America. Yes, but if it's more street, Pan America is a great bike. Yeah, but you no, know, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled with his optimism. Yeah, I hope he wins it. And I think this is funny because this is so this is so us, Emma. You chose the more romantic notion. Yeah. And I always go with the most practical answer. Right. Which is, this is a free bike, basically, right? So you go with a romantic. <laughs> no. So you don't know if you're going to love it. This is not a bike that you have studied and are buying for the purpose, for the need. You're getting a bike <clears throat> that you're then going to try out and see if you like it. If you don't market's better. And if you mm. want to resell mm. it yep. at any time, which of these two bikes is going to be easier to sell? Well, the BMW, of course, but that you see, I have a completely different um point of view with that. And I think that anything you receive as a gift, you should Always take the road less traveled. I mean, anybody who gives or gets socks as a birthday present is just the antithesis of fun. If you give a gift to somebody. It's not it a should, gift. Well, it kind of is. It's a raffle. It's a raffle. So, but if you're getting this thing for basically nothing, you should make the frivolous choice because it's not like you're, 20, you're dropping 25 large. Well, he could take either one of them, sell it and buy four KLRs. Yes, he could. No, but the reality is... And then is, check himself into the nearest <laughs> asylum and babble from the sickbed about imaginary fucking <laughs> supervillains. The reality is there is always a market for GSs. You will no, always and that's be like, able that to is, sell it. That is largely true. And, and I, I want to make sure that everybody knows that I am not panning or panamericaring the GS, because it's an incredibly fine bike. It's an absolutely wonderful bike. But, you know, it's, it's yeah, I just go for the underdog. It's you, a very romantic choice. Do you think the Pan America is going to be a classic bike? No. No? No. Because I imagine they're only going to make it for a couple of years. I hope they. I hope to make it for 50 years, but no one... And, I, I mean, Harley, ultimately, yeah. I like the Pan America. I like how it looks. I, you know, I like... I even like how it sounds. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, it sounds like somebody banging two trash can lids together. <laughs> But you know, I mean, it's it's a thing. Um, so you want to, you want to hear something shocking? Yes. If somebody showed up at my door with a Pan America to trade for my Africa Twin, Don't I would do it. it. I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Because I want to try. I want to experience the uh, the Harley. Yes. I do the Pan America. It's a cool bike. Well, you've kind I of want, fallen I out of love with, you, with this. No, it's not that I've fallen out of love. It's that. I got the Africa Twin because I wanted to experience it right. more than just a test ride. And I have. And now it's what's next. I want to try something else. And, and you know, when that when that Pan America came down here, the one we all rode. Yeah. And it was in a good color. It mm -hmm. was black and gray. And it had those nice um, spoke wheels with a Harley Davidson embossed on the rims. I thought it was just the most handsome thing I'd ever seen. I really did. I, I, you know, it's real. I like as, the as I yeah, yeah, as it's like real kind of thuggish styling. Yeah. And that headlight, I mean, it's a very bold looking I, I, bike. I like it. I would buy one if yeah. I had money. <laughs> there you are then. 
So I'll, buy, I'll buy one I, with somebody I, else's money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, though, if you are to win and ha- have a choice, these are both very capable and fun bikes. And, and what a great, um, re- you know, reward. Um, but, but I yeah. think I think I think actually with a with a last name like his, he should buy a Rup mini bike. That would be the obvious choice. Uh, bagel. You have an email I sent you. You're muted still. You're still muted though, Bagel. You have to. There you go. Yes, press the button. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry there about he is. that. Hello. So, and uh, you want me to do the accent for this one, right? <laughs> yes. All right. So I have an email from uh, Christopher Harper, and he says, "Hello, Misfits. Uh, I have a question for Miss Emma. I have a 1986 Yamaha 600 Enduro, which I love." I've taken this bike everywhere and anywhere, and she's never let me down. She will usually kick over within four kicks and run all day long. Last time I had her out, I rode her a little too hard. I believe when I was at a red light, someone pointed out that I was standing in a puddle of gas. It was pouring out of the carburetor. Oh, okay. Luckily, I was right by my house, and I got home without becoming a ball of flames. I rebuilt and cleaned the carburetor. But now it takes forever to kick her over. And when she does start, she runs for 15 to 20 minutes and acts as if she's running out of gas. And then nothing after that. If I let her sit in multiple kicks and in, in, in multiple kicks again, she'll start and then basically do the same thing. Um, I'm, am I missing something yes. or if, is she just giving or, if, or is she just giving up the ghost? No, no, none of those again, things. Christopher from Philadelphia. Hello, Christopher. It's the it's the easiest thing in the world. You've set the float height wrong. Mm. So what you need to do is you um. need to understand the float height, do as much research on it as you're able. I believe, and I do stand to be correct. What year is that bike? Uh, 1986. So it's got the slide carburetor on it. I am fairly sure that you measure the float height on that K-in with it face down. But it's easy enough to research and make sure you've got the float height for the right carburetor. It's very, very simple. You've just you've set the float height wrong. That's, e- that's an easy one. That's an e- cool. It's not getting enough fuel. Simple as that. Awesome. And, and and Emma, just in case there is another issue, which are the best flame retardant pants? Oh, you want Nomex. <laughs> Nomex pants. Nomex is are a very good flame retardant material. And then asbestos <clears throat> underpants. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Only the best, as Emma has learned. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Having set fire to my genitalia <laughs> on my Triumph Trident... Um, I can attest to uh, um, very good, nice quality pair of asbestos knickers with the, with the freely bits <laughs> around the bottom. Uh, Emma, you have another one there to read? I do indeed. And this one is from, hang on. You see, I'm all of a fluster because I'm not allowed to be in the same room as you. Oh, tell me why. Tell me why. Yes. <laughs> and this one is, this is from John C. Smith. Mm -hmm. Hi, Misfits. Tell me why most motorcycle jackets these days have the main zipper centered on the front instead of running at a slight diagonal, like the shot perfecto has it. 
even if you don't care about looking like a badass biker, the diagonal zipper seems to be more practical since it would keep the top of the zipper from bothering your throat and allow for a large wind flap. What's the deal? Off-centred in Maryland. John, that actually is a very good question, John. And, you know, when we think back to the evolution of motorcycle jackets, um, there's always been the diagonal zipper, which was the favour of the sort of Marlon Brando style of biker jacket. Yeah. And then the cafe racer style, which was the center zip with what's called a mandarin collar, usually with a snap. And I think I have this suspicion that that the, the, the solution to this problem is in the name is the cafe race style, the race style jacket has really gained a lot more traction of, of, of popularity <clears throat> because we're riding a lot more cafe race and, and race style bikes these days. Um, and there, I mean, there's, it's a lot less cumbersome. There's a lot less layers on them. You just have a thin overlap on the front. Um, and then just this straight zipper down the middle. So there's less overlapping layers. So you're using less material. It's a lot less cumbersome. There's a lot more movement in it. What are your, yeah, life's got a hands up. What are your well, thoughts? There's another factor to count uh, for here. And um, a lot of people don't realize, realize it, but everyone's arms are different lengths. So some people have a longer right arm, some have a longer left arm, which means if you were to do a diagonal zipper, you'd have to do two sets of jackets in every size, one that's a right and one's left to favor your longer arm. So going down the center just lets you make <laughs> half as many jackets. I see. Bob, I'm not sure I understand uh, that from the sick head. <laughs> or, or would that have more to do with whether you're right-handed or left-handed maybe? <laughs> Or if you're yeah, northern, I mean, if you're look, in the northern or southern hemisphere too. Look, my arms are two different lengths. You're yeah. doing that okay. deliberately, Liza. <laughs> no, but I'm um, punchy in there by at, yourself. at the end of the day, <laughs> I my suspicion is thus: it's fashion. It's as simple as that. You know, clothing style, even among us hardened bikers who buy clothing based on what it does for us, as opposed to how it looks. The market is still based on what sells and what doesn't sell. And I think the fact of the matter is um, straight zippered jackets outsell diagonal zippered ones by 10 to 1. So that's now, what manufacturers make these days. Don't all race leathers have straight yes. zippers down the center? So there might be something with strength also. Yeah, exactly. You know, all right. So, well, but, you know, on you. a race bike... Weight is a premium, even That's down true. to what you wear. And having a, a zipper down the front, because it's occupying so much real less real estate and less sort of flapping over. I've had a couple of the diagonal zipper jackets, and I think they look like a million bucks. Mm -hmm. I love them. And you can just zip them down halfway and kind of have these giant-like lapels like Elvis. I think they're just the greatest thing. But they seem to have lost favor fashionably. These They'll days. come back around. Oh, they will. So, Everything um, does. Since we're, I think we're probably over time now, but there's one more thing I wanted to include. Just one more thing. So there's one more thing I did in New York, and I was a bad girl again. Emma, oh. I'm going to need you. Yes. To go grab the yellow bag by the door that I hid oh, so God. you guys wouldn't notice it. Okay, hang on. Because I bought more <laughs> things. Oh, boy. 
Yes. While she's retrieving the bag, this is the time to say thank you to all of our listeners, or especially our Patreon subscribers, uh, for allowing us to do what we love doing and to go on trips and bring you more interviews. And, uh, and yeah, we love you guys. We got some more Patreon subscribers this week. I love oh, That's them. great. Thank you. Hey, go to motorcycles and misfits at, at gmail.com to, to email us motorcycles and misfits.com to check out our website. And uh, I put all the links to all of our events, where we're going, go to breakingawaytrips.com to come to our rally. And uh, Emma, what, what, what kind of bag did you find there? So I found a bag with Lego on the side of it. Oh, I went to the Lego store. Also founded by a Dane. So, yeah. um, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, and, I, and I do want to say, when I went to the Lego store, I went right up to one of the helpful employees and I said, show me every motorcycle you have in this store. I said, I already have the Vespa, the, the S1000RR and the, uh, what's, uh, and the Ducati. And he, and they were like, I don't think we have anything else. But clearly you found. So what we got in this bag? Yes. Let's deal with the die cast first. So we have a die cast. Oh, not from the, this is not no, from the this is not. store. But it's an NYPD. Yeah. BMW. Um, I got it at one of those stores that sells all the Statue of Liberty hats and all that stuff. Yeah, fantastic. <clears throat> Very nice replica. Have a look at that, John. So now we're going to dig in the Lego bag. Yes. Oh. More toys. More, more toys. toys. So... Um, so we've got Ninjago. It is kit seven one seven eighty eight, Lloyd's Ninja Street Bike, and um, looks like Lloyd is having a good old time on his street bike. It's green, and um, there's this skeleton kind of thing that looks like it's waving a sword at him, and he's got spaces for two swords on this bike. And um, <laughs> it's a Lego motorcycle with swords. Yeah. Fantastic. Come on, how cool is that? With two figures. So um this is from age group um four plus. So um, that's right, right. I'm in that. Which means I'm that in you, the four plus group. Exactly, you are in the four plus, so uh you've got four years to build this. Yeah. Reaching in, we have oh kit four two one three two. <laughs> Custom bike, moto personalize mototuniada, and it <laughs> looks like you can actually go onto your laptop and it'll show you how to customize this bike. And it's a it's a little technic kit, and it's actually it's quite cool. It's got a chain, and it looks like it has working suspension and working steering, yeah. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> an infernal combustion engine. And it looks like it's sort of, um, yeah, you can build it as a custom bike. Um, kind of looks like a super motard. Yeah, fun fun kit. All right, now we're going to the bigger boxes. Oh, my God. Oh, this thing is incredible. This is Lego kit 76245 um, Ghost Rider. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ghost Rider Lego kit. It is Ghost Rider Lego kit. And this thing is actually, it's bad to the bone. Um, looks like you get a little Johnny <laughs> Lightning figure with his head on fire. Um, 
And actually, this is quite a cool kit. Um, it's it's the Ghost Rider bike of what it becomes when he turns into the Inferno. And it looks like you get the bike, you get um, Johnny himself with a chain, and another... Oh, you guys can call me Ghost Rider. That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, you are hotshot. <laughs> Maybe they'll make a hotshot bike. All right, moving on. That's brown. <laughs> what else? Is there one more? Final box. Oh, wait a minute. We've got oh, a Krispy Kreme donut receipt. Yes. How much did Liza spend at the Krispy Kreme <laughs> donut? Oh, yeah, I'll check that out. <laughs> it's a Krispy Kreme hat. Thirty-five ninety-nine. Wow. It's <laughs> a lot of donuts. Yeah. Krispy Kreme donut hat. No, the final bike. <laughs> Is another in the Ninjago selection. This one is actually quite cool. Jay's Golden Dragon motorbike. Um, mm-hmm. Clearly, Jay is um, a dragon of some sort um, because he's large and gold. And this bike looks like it's it's very futuristic, and it's got a nodding head, um, and it kind of looks like a cannon with wheels. And there's. Um, there's all kinds of funny figures that come with this as well. You know, Lego has come an awful long way in the last few years. So this is, oh. I guess, is what you'd call a fantasy set. Um, yeah, so I, I bought a bunch of more motorcycle things, which unfortunately uh, sent me down the rabbit hole of going on eBay because they started telling me about all the retired sets, as they say, of the, Har- ah. the Harley. And I'm like, oh, crap, here's a whole nother rabbit hole i need to put a stop on i can't keep buying all of the uh all the lego sets but um i am gonna throw it out there there is that i have a new holy grail of toy motorcycles it used to be the easy rider that is sitting behind her the franklin mint easy rider is one i i wanted right and the cx500 turbo tamiya in sixth scale was another one but the current holy grail that exists that I have not been able to find anywhere. There was a small amount of time that the uh, written family did a small batch. That's right. Of the John Britton, uh, the, the VR 1000 V V V 1000. Yes. And I've seen them on websites when they came up on auction sites and, and left. And a few years ago, the Britain family announced they would be doing another run, but have not updated the information since. Hmm. And I check it like every month to see if there's an update. So if there's anybody out there that knows where one of these are. And in fact, they said when they do the new batch, they are going to do a limited run because how many how many of the britons were made i think it was 10 yes no nine nine they're gonna do nine exact replicas numbered with each of those <laughs> wow yes oh oh you're i know you're talking thousands like i know i'm just throwing it out there to the universe that is my new holy grail if anyone has a line on an old one, a new one, and any anything I want. One. So you, I mean, you what you are saying, money no object here. I I don't know, 
I don't know. Come on, if so you it, would buy it if, if you had it. I'm just saying. Look, yeah. it's a holy grail. I'm put, I'm just saying <laughs> it's a holy grail. Hey, it's time to wrap up. Thank you guys for for especially you guys here for running the show last week and 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 running the garage and the from a distance in the show from a distance today being there in the studio and I'm in the other room just in my COVID cubby hole cubby hole. I, I'm fine. I will be fine. Um, so yeah, thank you to everybody who makes this possible. That's it. It's That's all te- I have to say. It's a team effort. Liza. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yes, it, it does. does. Yes, yes. So, what do you say we get out of here? Thanks, everybody. This is Liza. Stumpy John. Emma, darling. Mm, bagel. And we are out of here. Cool, cool. cool.